Hello. I hope you're having a great day. Um, this, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun episode. Um, we have really, really, really tried to diversify our business. And I think that that is a very strong and smart thing to do. Um, and I also think it's a very wise decision to diversify your production plan, your book of business, your uh, product lines that you offer and sell uh, for many reasons. Um, but one of them um, is directly related to the fact that there is a large influx of people coming into the cut flower production industry. And any way that we can... Uh, continue to evolve or come up with new ideas or new uh, production processes, practices, um, etc., are only going to benefit uh, everyone, um, us in the short term, because you are, are coming up with new things, you're providing something in a service that's not readily available by everyone else in your area, etc. Um, but if you can grasp onto or find a home um, in that um, sense of constant evolution, um, I think that you will have a, a fairly safe spot um, in the industry. Growing for fundraisers and offering fundraisers is nothing new, okay? Um, this is something that companies have been doing forever and ever and ever. And I actually learned about this and started implementing this because of another small grower um, that I am very close with. Um, not necessarily for cut flower product, but um, they started in the nursery industry. Um, and I grasped onto or took that concept and looked at our production program here at Clara Joyce. And I was like, how can we implement this process, this practice, this concept of producing and pre-selling a product line that um, someone else can sell for us. And how do we do this in a method, in a manner where we can take a, a, a sizable price cut as if we were selling it wholesale and still make money at it to justify it from a business perspective, um, but also understand that we are helping other people through this process, through this practice, um, and how can we make that work? And that's what we're going to talk about. So put your seatbelts on, honey, because we're going to kind of dive into this. Um, we're going to walk through some of the um, fundraiser product lines that we do here at the farm. Um, some of them are very, very straightforward. Some of them take a little more work. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the problems that we've come across, um, things that are have been hiccups, things that we've had to overcome. Um, and uh, we're going to talk kind of about how we um, price and, and move through that process of making sure that this is a, a decent business decision for us to be uh, doing and providing for our customers to ensure uh, their success and our profitability. So here we go. Before we do that, though, <laughs> um, oh my gosh, there's an eagle that just flew over my house. Oh, that's so fun. 
Um, before we do this, we should probably, <laughs> I should probably do an intro. Um, my name is Drew and I own and operate Clara Joyce Flowers in Northwestern Illinois. Uh, we are a specialty cut flower and young plant propagation farm. Um, and I have the great honor and privilege of running this with a very fantastic group of people. Um, so, um, we have been very fortunate to, um, learn through the fundraiser process over the past uh two or three seasons um and there definitely have been some learning curves and some stumbling blocks along the way um the very first time that um i learned that that the 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 fundraising process um has been you know um kind of a tool for many specialty horticulture and ag companies um, was years and years and years ago. Um, we were cleaning out my great grandmother's house and my mom found some of um, some fundraising seed packets that my mom had sold when she was in high school as an FFA fundraiser. Um, and at the time I was uh, growing vegetables. So I was like, oh, wow, like that seems cool, whatever. And then like totally you know, phase it out of my mind because I was in middle school. When I get into high school, um, then some of my organizations that I was involved with started uh, selling ag products as fundraisers. So in FFA, we would sell um, evergreens from a producer, I think in Minnesota, I could be wrong. Um, and for choir, we were selling fruit uh, from um, coming out of Florida. And then also for fundraiser, we were doing a strawberry fundraiser. Um, so I was like, okay, like this, this is, you know, kind of a thing. And at that point in time, I was, you know, really getting into the concept of like, uh, production or vegetable production, um, and trying to figure out how to scale up a, a vegetable, um, operation. Because if you're unfamiliar with kind of my story, um, all of this, all of Clara Joyce really was a, a vegetable operation before we grew flowers. Um, I started growing vegetables as a 4-H project, and then that turned into an FFA project, and I kept records on it um, for all four years and uh, was able to um, compete with those with those records that I had um amassed over my my time in production um was very fortunate to compete at the state level and and won first and then took that to nationals um and did quite well there as well um so back on track here um once i started to kind of uh build more of a, a community and a network within the flower industry once i graduated high school um i really really became friends with um a lovely, lovely lady named Julie. And Julie listens to the podcasts. <laughs> Julie is from Iowa. Um, she is the one and only uh, plant mom, plant mother of mine. And she, um, her and her family have really shaped um, me and, and my business. Um, they're willingness to share, um, share resources, uh, share suppliers, um, you know, help in any way that they can, um, has really made a huge lasting impression on me. So Julie, when you listen to this, because I know you will, because you always text me asking when the new episodes are coming. Um, I just wanted to say thank you, um, for everything that you've done, because, 
um, this topic of fundraisers and, and how we've kind of worked this into our, our business plan and our production plan um, is really because of you. So uh, Julie was at one point in time growing hanging baskets as a spring fundraiser and I believe mums as well, uh, potted mums for uh, area schools out by her uh, in uh, northern Iowa. Um, and I, at the time, when I started to really toy around with that process or that concept as well, um, had a fair amount of greenhouse space. I think we had just put up our last last of the big houses. So we had, we had our five primary houses uh, set and built, all of which were heated, all of which have very substantial... Uh, infrastructure, so they're quite strong, um, and all of which could be turned into hanging basket greenhouses because um, hanging baskets are really lovely because once they're planted um, and they've started to root in, they can be hung from the ceiling. So you are really utilizing two layers of your greenhouse rather than just one. Um, so I was like, wow, that like makes so much sense and let's go for it. So uh, before we did the fundraiser the year prior, I just did a, sh a, a little run of baskets. I think we grew like 200 um, hanging baskets and we did like five or six different combos, different color combos, just to make sure we, we could make this work. So once I figured out kind of, you know, the concepts of um, planting a plug and growing it in a pot and the nutrient requirements that are, that go along with that and, and how to monitor pH and how to correct pH issues. Um, because when we're growing things in the ground, I'm, I guess maybe I live in a little bubble here, but we don't, we're very fortunate to not have to be too keyed up about pH monitoring because of rainfall um, and because of we're working with a, a really rich agricultural soil here um, at the farm out in the field but when you're working with pot culture or growing things in pots it's it's quite different because um, the water is coming from one singular source and that water is going to influence a lot of things uh, the alkalinity of the of the water um, the EC capacity, all of those things are going to play a role in how those plants are going to perform. So learning to monitor and correct, like I had previously said, was is very important, and it was a big learning curve. Um, and also understanding the timeline uh, was another big thing too, because I wanted to be able to produce as good of a product as I could um, without having to baby it along forever and ever and ever. So that was a big learning opportunity. Um, I also learned that <laughs> um, when it comes to fundraisers, you are responsible for more than just growing or producing or preparing the actual product. Um, you need to be able to produce the sales material as well. Um, and this is where um, my Canva Pro subscription really comes into play. Um, there are very few subscriptions that we pay for here at the farm. Um, I think there's only three. There's QuickBooks, HoneyBooks, and Canva. Uh, HoneyBooks is our wedding uh, platform. QuickBooks is our general business platform. Um, and Canva is our, our uh, graphic design, basically. Um, and Canva is, is very important uh, for our business. 
especially for um, a program like fundraisers or when you when you are starting to, to toy with that because you as the business are now responsible for um, producing uh, sales flyers for whatever organization you are planning on having sell your product um, so that's that was huge too um, understanding that even uh, taking the concept of um, selling something months in advance, of which we'd been doing for years with Dahlia tubers and cuttings, uh, but now I have to turn that that uh, concept, that process, into a physical piece of paper. Um, so it's laying things out um, to show off the the photos, figuring out how to um, name them, making sure that everything has an identification number, um, so that when someone looks at the front page of the flyer, they're able to say, "I want." item number one, three, and five, um, and then they turn that flyer over, they go to the next uh, part of that sales flyer, and they're able to put their name, select how many of each combo they want, um, and then make sure that they pay as well. Um, so figuring out what information really needs to be on that uh, flyer was was huge. Um, so that's that's something that we have to do and produce for every single fundraiser that we do. Um, there are three primary fundraisers that we do throughout the season. There's hanging baskets in the spring, uh, fall bulbs, and then there's holiday decor. Um, each of those things have a lead time as well. So for hanging basket fundraiser, we start that selling window in January. Um, and each organization um, has a up to a two-week sales window. So once they receive their sales uh, packets, uh, their flyers, uh, they are able to sell uh, for up to two weeks. Um, I don't want uh, sales windows to just go on and on and on. Um, so seven to ten, two days or two weeks, um, seven to ten days up to two weeks is is really um, what I've kind of found to be uh, the best um, because it gives time for the flyers to be dispersed, them to go home, um, the the parents to post it on Facebook, um, and then for that collection process to happen. From there, um, all of the flyers are and the orders are tallied by the organization, um, and then they send me an email with the quantities that are needed for every item. Um, we send them a invoice via QuickBooks, and then they pay for that. Uh, they write us a check for uh, 60% of uh, whatever the total uh, sold is. So for every sale that that organization is making, they are receiving 40%. Now that might seem like a lot, and it was kind of a lot for me to wrap my mind around it first but then i looked at you know other avenues of our business and you know that 40 percent cut really is very similarly in line with when we sell to wholesalers for cut flowers um, because when we sell to a wholesaler we're selling something for five six seven dollars and they're marking it up 50 percent so when we are taking into account or looking at fundraisers as a, as a business opportunity um, that is very similarly in line so in order for that to work if we take a couple steps back in when I'm pricing out um, fundraiser items I need to make sure that our bases are covered from a business perspective so I need to make sure that I've got every single expense tallied so since we've been talking about baskets I need to make sure that I've got my pot my soil my fertilizer 
any pH correction uh, additives and chemicals, I need to account for that on a per basket basis. Um, I need to make sure that all of my plant material, whether it's unrooted cuttings, rooted cuttings, uh, plugs we're buying in, etc., all of those need to be accounted for. I need to account for labor, for filling the pots, uh, planting the pots, watering, and hanging. Irrigation is done by uh, an automated system, so that's that's a lower cost per pot. Um, but I also need to take into account um, all of the the heating and the greenhouse. Uh, and in plastic, if we're going to be, you know, uh, looking at this from a, a long run perspective, you know, what does that cost uh, per year for greenhouse plastic? And if you're, uh, if you are buying new plastic every five years, that's a fairly easy thing to figure out. Um, so all of these little costs matter because that's what it's costing you as the producer to produce that crop. Now, if we look at another fundraiser, uh, let's jump to, let's say, the fall bulb fundraiser. That one's a little more straightforward to price out because we have a very solid idea of what a tulip is going to cost us when we place that pre-order with the wholesaler, and we have a fairly good idea of what shipping is going to be as well. All of those things need to be factored in um, and then multiplied to account for what you want to make. So when we're you know, preparing and planning for pricing for fundraisers, I have a spreadsheet that has each item and I have my costs. So I know like for a bag of 20 tulips, let's say hypothetically it costs me, you know, $6 or $7. So that's what the cost is. I figure out what I want to make. Do I want to make, um, you know, five, six, seven dollars on top of my expenses? When it, whatever that is for you, um, add that and then um, multiply it out to figure out what you need to be charging so that your uh, organization can make 40% and you can cover your costs and make what you want. Um, and then do that for every single item that you are producing for the fundraiser. Uh, for fundraisers, we've found that keeping lim uh, offerings somewhat limited has been uh, beneficial. Um, so for baskets, we produce six combos. Um, for bulbs, I think we had um, two or three single type tulips, two tulip mixes, um, one or two daffodils, and um, a hyacinth mix, and that was it. Um, for holiday, uh, for evergreens, it was two door swag styles, two wreath styles, and some amaryllis options, and that was it. Um, so keeping things uh, somewhat streamlined um, is, is very beneficial as well. Once an organization's uh, two-week sales window is completed and they've made their, their payment, um, then it really is in our ballpark, um, and it's up to us to make all of the things happen. Um, so that's going to be finalizing orders, making sure that all of our inventories are um, accounted for, making sure that we're going to be able to produce um, enough of that product. And this is where the pre-sale mindset or mentality is is important um, because there are times when we are planning for having to produce 20 wreaths of a certain look, but the group sells 30 or 40. So then I need to make sure that I'm going to be able to produce that because I, I can't just cancel those orders um, since that would 
kind of be a headache. <laughs> um, so then that's going to be sourcing additional material um, and making sure that we're going to be able to fulfill that order. Um, going back to Hanging Basket Fundraiser, I want to kind of move into to things that we've learned. Um, and this is where um, we've really learned a lot. Um, so the first year that we did Hanging Basket Fundraiser, um, it was a little traumatic, not going to lie. We were very, and I want to preface this by saying it's okay to not have a stellar performance, but you need to learn from it. And this is one thing that it, we, we had a very fantastic <laughs> firsthand opportunity <laughs> to do so. Um, and I also think we should talk about failures in general a little more often and just kind of reminds everybody that even though you might look fantastic and perfect on the internet that that's not always the reality um anyway so the first year that we did hanging back basket fundraiser we sold through a local um school organization very small town there's like 700 people in this town um they sell way more hanging baskets than any of us realized I think that group sold like 625 hanging baskets in a seven-day window. It was insane. Way more baskets than we had prepared for. So we, and we were still trying to figure out the whole lead time process with hanging baskets too. So it was a bit of a stretch from a planning time timeline perspective. So I was scrounging for more material. Um, and... Uh, Plugs came in for baskets. They were looking okay, um, and we were very, very understaffed as well. Um, and that's kind of where we were just stretched too thin. Um, this was our first big, big run of baskets, um, and we we were we were suffering and we were suffering on multiple reasons not having enough staff was one of them but that was also a really really hard year for growing product in greenhouses and everyone in the industry um, that was dealing in nursery stock and, and nursery potted material was having a hard time because during the 60-day hanging basket growing window we had 12 days of sun every other day it either snowed or it was cloudy and when you're growing a a material in in a in a protected greenhouse environment and you have next to zero sun and you have very cold temperatures um it sucks it is so sucky because if you overwater it's going to take a very very long time for those pots to dry out and that's that was another problem. That was like the third nail in the coffin for us with that year's year's production was we were short on people, we didn't have any sun, and we were overwatering. And that was kind of when like the light bulb went off in my head that like overwatering is a really big problem because up until that point, I had had a fair amount of experience in growing things in trays and small pots. But the kind of the caveat with those those types of production in trays is there's very little media there. So you really do need to be watering a lot so that uh, that small plug doesn't dry out. But when you multiply that by a larger volume of soil, 
there is a much larger water retention there. So you really don't need to be watering that much. So you factor in um, oversaturated soil um, along with um, really having to figure things out um, and not a lot of sun. Um, and uh, it was it was tough. It was definitely a learning curve. Um, we got everything, all baskets that were pre-ordered were delivered and picked up. They might not have been as fabulous and glamorous and glorious as we wanted them to be, but it was a huge learning opportunity. Um, we got it figured out. It was, we were able to really streamline our process even more, uh, become better growers because of it. And, um, we were able to, you know, move forward from there, which is kind of the whole name of the game. So we've talked about baskets quite a bit um, I, and some of the problems we've had to overcome. Um, when it comes to the fall bulb fundraiser, when I, when I was toying with implementing that um, into kind of the production plan, um, I thought, wow, this is like the easiest thing ever. Like bulbs come in, totally great, no problems. And then you just bag them and ship them out. In theory, that's true. Now, what I failed to to take into account was um, the concept <laughs> of shipping delays, and you'd think that I'd know better. So when when we sent out the fall bulb fundraiser information, um, we gave an estimated arrival time for product of late September to early October our bulb order was delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. The organizations that sold were fairly understanding and thank God for that. Um, but as soon as those bulbs landed here at the farm in the end of October, when I tell you that it was all hands on deck to get those bulbs prepackaged or repackaged and sent out, I am not joking. We, as soon as soon as those crates were off that semi truck, we had bags prepped, we had labels made, and we were counting to beat the band because I think that afternoon I was making the deliveries for those um, because that was kind of sucky. Um, it was something that was beyond our control. It was something that we could not uh, do anything different about. Um, and unfortunately it was just kind of the way that it was. And that, that sucked because, um, it was again, our name, our business name on the line. Um, we were making money. Everybody was paid. Um, the organization had made their 40% cut. Um, all the product was paid for, but it was just something that we had to, you know, make sure that moving forward again, we were, we were prepared for. So, um, what that looks like is changing the wording in the uh, contract agreement. Um, just, you know, making sure that everyone is on the same page that this is an agricultural product. And sometimes not everything goes exactly according to the schedule and the plan that we have put forward. Um, and we, we have to be able to be flexible sometimes. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this, but I think it is important. Um, having a contract or at least a general agreement, um, is huge when you are 
starting to work in to uh, pre-saling or contract growing, um, it, I think it's very important for the the grower to be um, a little or the producer to be a little protected. Um, some key points that are included and covered um, in our contracts or production agreements with um, our fundraising groups is that um, we all acknowledge that this this is, like I said previously, um, an agricultural product. And because of that and because of growing conditions that are beyond our control, um, there are sometimes things that happen, as in uh, delivery delays, um, adjustments in uh, product produced, um, edits and changes to your final order. Um, and all of those are because of, you know, weather and sun and uh, things that happen in shipping ports. Um, so understanding that sometimes there are things that are happen is important. Number two is that when we are producing something here at the farm, we are doing it via humans. So there are going to be you know, small things here and there that might look a little different. Um, that line really truly applies to Hanging Basket and Holiday Fundraiser. So with Hanging Basket Fundraiser, you know, if if the, the combo is a red and white combo, um, but the uh, actual varieties shown are a red petunia, a white petunia, and a white calabrocoa, uh, sometimes that white calabrocoa might not be available once your final order has been submitted. So we might have to substitute that with a white verbena. Little things like that, those are things that, those are choices and decisions that we have to make um, in that moment. And that's part of that human influence. When it comes to holiday decor, everything that we produce for holiday is made by hand, by a, a human. So understanding that sometimes there might be a little, very small variance in the specific items that are produced or the specific way that a piece of greenery lays might look different than what you have on your sales flyer. Um, so just having that little level of protection is important. And just understanding that, you know, these are not coming from a massive warehouse, you know, four states away. These are, these are you know, being handmade locally, planted by hand, grown one at a time, uh, cared for individually. Um, and that we really are trying to do our best. So those are just a few very basic, basic things to, to be aware of, um, and that we do have included in, in our, in our agreement. Um, that agreement has to be signed by both you and the contact person for the organization before the sales window begins, um, just to ensure that everybody is on the same page with this. Um, that is, that is important as well. Um, so, so far we've, we've kind of bounced around in, in the first section, uh, but we did cover the three main fundraisers that we do. We've talked about some of the learning curves um, and hurdles that we've had to figure out. Um, so those um, are, are helpful, beneficial, I hope for you. Um, and we very briefly touched on pricing and how we price things out. Um, and I, I think it would just be good just to recap that maybe one more time. So here we go. So Let's let's use an example. Um, you are selling an item and you have ten dollars in expenses. You want to make twenty on that item. So that means that your cut that you are going to come back with or come out with 
after the fundraiser is $30. 10 in expense, 20 in profit. That $30 equals the 60% cut. So if we do 60%, and this is, this is, <laughs> Mrs. Heidenreich from high school math would be so proud of me because this is something that I learned in her class, and this is the class that I got kicked out of. So if we take 60% over 40%, so 60 align 40, write this out. This is, when it comes to doing this, there's no shame in writing this out. So 60 over 40. If we're going to multiply that by 30, over x we need to figure out what 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 the remainder is so i'm going to take 40 times 30 and divide that by 60. that's going to leave me with my remainder of 20 dollars. so the 20 dollars is the for 40 percent that your organization is going to be coming home with so that means that your total is 50 dollars for that item out of that 50, you've covered your 10 in expense, your 20 in profit, and that is your 60, and that leaves you 60%. That leaves you with the remaining 40% of 20 bucks. So there you go. And you can do that for every single item. So 60% over 40% times what you want to take divided by the 60. Okay, let's try that again. This is too many too many numbers. This is why I got kicked out of math. Okay, 60 over 40 times 30 over x. We're solving for x. 40 times 30 equals 11 or $1,200. Divided by 60 equals 20. x equals 20. $30 plus $20 equals $50. $50 is your list price for your fundraiser. That covers everybody's bases. There we go. I'm going to turn this into a reel, and I'm going to post this reel so that we can all figure this out together so we can learn. <laughs> Has Mrs. Heidenreich taught us? <laughs> Oh goodness, we're gonna be fine. So, and that's that's literally how I do it for every single one. Every single item for every single fundraiser is exactly like this. So, um, that will be uh, <laughs> how we walk through that. Oh dear. Um, thank you for for entertaining me, <laughs> humoring me through that. Um, all right, let's wrap this sucker up. Um, so today we've covered many of the bases and principles for um, how we do fundraisers, how we got into fundraisers, a few things that we've learned along the way. Um, and I hope that this kind of gives you some some insights, some thoughts on, you know, maybe would this would this process or this practice work for you, you and your business? Um, would you be able to, you know, pencil everything out and make sure that the math works so that you can you can do that um and uh if it does great and if it doesn't that's totally fine um the whole point and purpose and process of this this podcast is um not for me to tell you how to run your business um it is it's just a, a small glimpse into what we do on a daily basis here at our farm and in our business um so that you know if something sticks for you then that's great and if it doesn't, then that's great too. 
Um, so um, if you have any questions on fundraisers, let me know. Um, I am going to get this reel uh, recorded and I'll post it to our Instagram account so you can follow along there. Um, and uh, we'll have a grand time. So uh, come back for the next episode. Um, we're going to be talking about um, bio biofilm, um, getting back into the physical physical act of, of growing and working out in the fields. Um, and um, biofilm and Bio360 has been a, a very large part of what we do and how we grow. Um, so I think that that might be uh, a good one for y'all to tag along for. So um, come back next time. We'll chat then. And until then, have a great day and we'll talk soon. Bye.